highest of heights to the depths of the sea. Jehoash became king and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. And Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. This was a long and mostly blessed reign. Jehoash fell short of full commitment and complete godliness, but he did advance the cause of God in the kingdom of Judah. Scripture tells us that Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. This implied that when Jehoiada died, Joash no longer did what was right in the sight of the Lord. After the death of a godly high priest, Joash fell into the hands of godless advisors who turned his heart to Canaanite practices. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins chapter 12 in the book of 2 Kings. Okay. Hey, let's open our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 12. The book of Kings, First uh, and 2 Kings, is uh, an interesting book to say the least. It reminds me a lot of the book of Judges. And because the book of Judges, if you remember, a long time ago, a couple years ago, we were going through it and... But it, but it goes like a roller coaster. Uh, you know, the, the children of Israel are doing really well, and then they fall into idolatry, and God delivers them into the hand of their enemies, and then God raises up a savior or a judge or someone to deliver them. And then God delivers them, and they're doing fine for a while, and then they dip back into idolatry. God brings them into the hands of their enemies, and then they cry out to God. God raises up a deliverer, and then they're on this plateau, and it just keeps going like that. And you'll find that First and Second Kings, as we have gone through it, is, is very similar to that. And it, such is the case of mankind, because we have an old nature, this nature that's at enmity with God, and it's not a surprise that you see this kind of thing. In fact, history is like that. It's a, it's a, it's a constant uh, roller coaster ride of going into the valleys and coming up to the heights and then going down to the valleys and going up to the heights. And so it goes and so it goes. And, uh, and as we look tonight, it's no different. And we'll see that continuing to happen until God uh, finally brings them to the lowest point. He allows this, you know, this roller coaster to happen for a while until he just says, okay, enough's enough. I, I need to teach you a lesson. And he allows them to go into captivity, and, and, and they just flatline for a while. Uh, but all that time in the, in the valley, if you will, out in the desert, God has not finished. And, and that's true for us, too. If you find yourself being disciplined by God in any way, he's, 
He's not doing it to, uh, to destroy you. If there's a silent period in your life where you feel like you're out in the desert, that's when he speaks peaceably to you. He's, he's not bringing you into that place to harm you. Rather, it's to get you to listen and to finally look up. And if we will do that, then it'll be one of the most fruitful times of our lives, even though from the outside it'll look like a valley, it'll look like a desert, and even we'll feel that way at times. But God is always wanting to lift us up. He's never wanting to, to, to pound you. He doesn't do that. He, he changes our hearts. And, and, and you see that through First uh, and Second Kings as well. God moving on the hearts of certain leaders, certain reformers. And tonight we're going to see one of the first reformers, Joash. Uh, you know, after you know, the kingdom of Israel had gone into gross idolatry, you know, God raises up a man. And, and that man, he started off well, as we're going to see tonight, but he didn't end well. And then, you know, Israel's back in the same spot they, they were in before. But God always has his men at different times in history that he, uh, the heart of a man is willing to receive God. And so God fills that void with himself. And then that man uh, raises the country, raises the bar, if you will, and and then when Israel is walking in obedience, they're being blessed by their God. And, and that's what we desire too, right, in our country. We want to we be blessed by God. You know, a lot of people say, God bless America. You know, and I've heard somebody say, well, America, why don't you bless God? And that is a good thing for us to do. Let's bless God by our actions, by the things that come out of our mouth, the things, the actions that we do. May that be something that is uh, ever-present on our hearts, to, to be those ambassadors, to be those uh, carrying the torch of righteousness out into a very dark world, not in uh, you know, hypocrisy and certainly not in pride. We, we do it out of love and we do it in humility. And when we do that in that way, people notice. And God is glorified, not man, not us. We're not to receive the glory. Jesus is to receive the glory. Amen. And so uh, as we've been going through this, um, we, we, we were looking at the house of Ahab and Jezebel and how God had pronounced judgment against the house of Ahab. <clears throat> and certainly uh, through, the, the lives of, uh, through the life of Yehu, one of his generals, uh, when he was a much younger man under, under Ahab, uh, we find that um, Yehu continues to grow, and after Ahab dies from the, and, and when he dies in battle, his son uh, fills in that gap, and, and, and uh, Yehu is still a commander of the army. And, and God gives to Yehu through the prophet Elisha. If you remember a few chapters ago, it was uh, actually, I believe it was in uh, um, Chapter 9, we saw Elisha the prophet sending one of the other prophets to go and anoint Yehu as the king of, of Israel. Remember, the king of Israel now is uh, ten tribes up in the north, and then you had the two tribes, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, known as Judah, and this is known as Israel. So you just have to get that straight. When, when we speak of Israel, it's speaking of the northern ten tribes now. When it's speaking of Judah, it's speaking of the southern two tribes Judah and Benjamin. So Yehu now is uh, given this instruction by God to wipe out the line of Ahab, and certainly he does that. Yehu kills not only the, 
the, um, the, the, the men of Ahab, he kills Jehoram, uh, who was the next king in Israel. And, he, and also he kills uh, Ahaziah, the king of Judah. Because, remember, Ahaziah was, um, um, well, he kills him. And then Yehu kills Ahab's 70 sons and also Ahaziah's 42 brothers. So he's really rooting out this Baal worship on both sides of the fence, if you will. And then we find that Athaliah, remember, she was the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. She kills all the heirs of the throne of Judah and places herself on the throne when she had no right to be on the throne because Joash was supposed to be the next in line after Yehu killed Ahaziah, the, the king of, of Judah. And so the next one in line was supposed to be uh, the next oldest heir under Ahaziah, but Athaliah, who was the uh, daughter of Ahab and Jezebel and married to previously Jehoram before he passed away, she puts herself on the throne, kills all of the heirs, and thank God for two people, uh, Jehoshaba and um, uh, the daughter of King Joram and, um, and Jehoiada, the priest, the high priest at that time. They hide away the youngest. They hide away this little boy named Je- uh, Jehoash, or Joash is what he's named. And he's the only one left. And these two people, Jehoshaba, Again, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, she hides him. And, um, and Jehoiada, the priest, also protects the, the, the heir apparent uh, because Athaliah was seeking to kill him even. And just an amazing thing. And, and no other time in Israel's history has a woman been on the throne. And uh, uh, certainly, uh, we're not including the time of the judges where Deborah was certainly a judge, although she was not a king or a, uh, she wasn't queen either, but she was uh, just a, um, a judge of Israel at the time. But no other time has there been a woman on the throne. And here, Athaliah, the daughter of Jezebel, and it's kind of surprising because Jezebel uh, through the character, which we see in the pages in Scripture, is a very power-hungry, evil woman. And, and she takes it upon herself to get on the throne. And, and the reason why this was so preposterous was because the covenant that God had made with David and his seed had nothing to do with a woman. And there's nothing wrong with women, of course. God, lo- God made man and woman. They have a, a right order, and a, he has a plan for them. And uh, can I just get an amen for male and female? God made two. Male and female, right? But what did God say to, to David? And, and this is why this is such a, a, a shame and a, a preposterous, really. Remember, I, I'm, I'm going to drill this into you because this is a really significant scripture. If you're going to memorize a scripture reference, this is a good one to do it. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 12 through 16. And let me just read it to you because this is what Nathan the prophet told David concerning his reign and that his kingdom would last forever, Okay? And it says in verse 12, God speaking to David, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, in other words, when you die, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house uh, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, in the immediate, we can see that that was Solomon, right? 
But then he goes on and he says, And I'll be his father, and he'll be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And here is verse 16. It's an amazing thing. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So God repeats himself. So now he's speaking way beyond the immediate of Solomon being on the throne after David passed away. Now he's speaking of the seed, which is a, a word that literally, it, it means Christ. It means the Messiah. And that's what they all knew that to be, the seed of, of the woman. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. And, and so God is speaking uh, that it's David and his seed, now, Athaliah was not of David's seed. And so she places herself on the throne, and she has no right to be there. No right to be there. And so let's read, and then finally, uh, like I said uh, prior, Yehu finally kills Jeze- or Jezebel and, and also uh, Athaliah. She is uh, killed after the coup that... Um, uh, Jehoiada the priest had planned and followed through with. But let's read now uh, chapter 12. And because it's so short, let's just read it straight through, and then we'll take communion tonight as well. It says, In the seventh year of Yehu, Jehoash became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. And Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. And Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money and each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation, uh, dilapidation is found. Now it was so that by the 23rd year of King Jehoash that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Joash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now therefore do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for repairing the damages of the temple. And the priests agreed they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest. He bored a hole in it. He got out his DeWalt drill and put a a half-inch drill and drilled it right in there and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priests who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord And so it was when they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came and they put it in bags, counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord, and then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked. He says, put it in in bags, the money, and then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and the stone cutters. Is the recording on too, as well? Okay, great. We can edit that out later, right, Tom? 
and to the masons and the stone cutters, and for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, there were not made um, made for the house of the Lord basins of silver and trimmers and sprinkling bowls, trumpets, and any articles of gold or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. But they gave it to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men who made, uh, whose hand they delivered the money to pay the workmen, for they dealt faithfully. And the money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. And so why don't we uh, just stop right there, and, um, and then we'll, just con- we'll, we'll pick up um, there as we go along. But, you know, if we go back to um, the very first verse, you know, as we read through this, uh, something becomes um, actually. Let's continue reading. <laughs> Verse seventeen: Hazael, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. And then Hazael set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his father Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah had dedicated and his own sacred things and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house and set, sent them to Hazael, king of Assyria. And then he went away from Jerusalem. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And indeed they are. And we're going to look at that tonight. And his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Silla, for Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servant, struck him, and so he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. And then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. So, it's a really interesting passage because you see a man who started really well and was doing the right thing, you know, after all of the Baal worship, and then finally Joash is born, and he has this wonderful man, Jehoiada, to be like his governor, sort of like an uncle to him. And Jehoiada, the high priest, was a much older man, and Joash was only seven years old. And so he's got this great man of God who knows this young man's role, And instead of taking the glory for himself or trying to usurp that, because somebody indeed had already done that, Athaliah, he decides, I'm going to do everything I can to put him back on the throne. And I want to to be with him and help him. And that's what discipleship is really all about, right? And if there was one title I could put on this message, it would be, Who are you really? Who are you really? It's kind of an interesting thing because there's an old saying that goes, who you are in private is who you really are. And I know that that is true because we can put on airs and and airs is a French term meaning appearance. We can uh, be around strangers and and even family and, and put on airs, put on an appearance of something that we really are not. But isn't it true that we always have to look at ourselves in the mirror 
at some point. We have to have those times when we're by ourselves and we find out who we really are. You know, who are you when you're able to make your own decisions without any accountability? When there are no governors in your life, no master, no teacher, no boss anywhere in sight because this is who we really are. I've known this true of myself, and, and it's, a, it's a sad commentary on my own heart. There have been times where I've had no oversight, and I find myself choosing to do things that I normally wouldn't do. And it proves my character. It proves who I am, and it's a hard thing to, to see it in yourself, and you realize just the corruption that's within us. E- even as Christians, there, there's still things in us that need to be refined, that God is refining. And certainly, the person who doesn't know Christ, they're filled with everything corruptible, and they have no idea, no clue at all what they're doing. But you and I, as Christians, you know, this even happens. And most of us don't really know who we really are until we're put in those positions like that. And it may break your heart to find out that you're not as sanctified as you thought you were. But the alternate thing is you may also find that you're more sanctified than you thought you were, but the trial will prove your character. Isn't it true that trials prove us? Trials prove the depth of our character. And we're going to see that, and we actually read it, but we're going to be looking at it a little closer, just that idea of the depth of character of Joash. It seemed like it was only skin deep, and we'll look at that. And, and people can be sincere about anything, but they can be sincerely wrong and even sincerely deceived. Have you met somebody who's sincerely deceived? I mean, they really believe the deception. And you're looking at them and you're like, how can you... I, you're, you're dumbfounded because you're like, you know, you're looking at the sky and you're telling them it's blue. And, and indeed it is because there's no clouds in the sky. And they're saying, no, it's, it's, it's orange. And you're like, What? And things like that happen, but sincere is an interesting word. In Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and if you don't have Noah's 1828 American Dictionary, I would encourage you to get it. They actually sell it on the Apple uh, store. You can get it electronically, and usually it comes in a big, thick thing like this. It's got a green cover. If you can find one, get it, because it's wonderful. It includes scriptures and the definitions. Just an amazing thing. But the word sincere literally comes from, and I got this from the dictionary, from Webster's 1828 American Dictionary. Sincere comes from Latin with, of sinceris, which is said to be composed of uh, of sign, or it means without, literally, is what sinaris uh, means, without, and Sarah means wax. And so it literally means without wax. Because people in the old times, in the Middle East, when they would go to the Go to the store, go along the, you know, where they buy vases and stuff like that, you know, out, outside markets. They would grab those vases and they would hold them up to the sun and they would see if they're sincera without wax because those pots could be broken. And when those pots are broken, they, they were very crafty. They'd take wax and they'd melt it in between the thing and they'd fit it together and the wax would dry and then they'd paint it and then it would look like a new vase. And little, little did you know that the thing had been broken two or three times prior, but you wouldn't know it until you looked at it up, you held it up to the sun and you could see right through it and you could see the lines and the cracks where it was with wax. So therefore it wasn't sincere. It wasn't sincere. It was with wax instead of without wax. 
But trials have a way of showing us how sincere, the, the real makeup of who we really are. Our character, as it's held up to the light of the sun, and the sun or the sun, S-U-N or S-O-N, it makes no difference. When God holds us up, what does he see? Does he see us with wax or without wax? Are we sincere or are we not sincere? That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Second Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office you can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.